Hi, and welcome to Aspiring Black Social Worker. My name is Shaw. I am a current MSW student in my second year. I attend part-time because I am also a wife, a mother of five kids, and I work full-time. So I'm very busy, but this is something that I really um, have been wanting to do. So I took the leap to get my master's a couple of years ago, and I am really enjoying it. I love, I am one of those people who could be a career student. I love school. I love learning new things. Um, and everything interests me, which is why I think I chose social work, because there are just so many avenues you can take with social work that I believe I won't feel bogged down to just one field or one um, career choice. I can really do multiple things and to be happy and fulfilled and not get to the point where I feel like I made a bad choice. Um, that it was something that I really wanted to think about when pursuing my master's because I don't want to spend, well, I don't want to get a lot of loans, take out all these loans to get a counseling degree when I know that I don't want to be a counselor forever, that kind of thing. Um, what else about me? I started this podcast with the hope of just having a space for me and my perspectives I am an introvert, so I don't talk a lot about everything on my mind with a lot of people, not even my husband sometimes, just because that's just who I am. I like to have these thoughts in my head, and I have spent so many years of my life journaling, getting these things out, and I figured maybe it's time for me to actually put out something into the media world that hopefully somebody will find interesting, helpful. And yeah, I, I'm just hoping that um, this would be something that other social workers or aspiring social workers or people who are just interested in social justice issues or the random things that I talk about um, will enjoy. Clearly, I'm a black woman, as you can tell by the name of the podcast, but I don't speak for all black women. I want to be very clear on that. I don't want this podcast to be taken as, oh, well, she said and she's black. So that's not that's not this at all. As a matter of fact, <laughs> a lot of my thoughts and opinions have been pushed back on by other black women. And because I love that kind of thing. I enjoy a healthy conversation. I enjoy a healthy debate. I um, I value other people's points of views. And I always love to see how other people think. And it's because I feel like I'm so logical sometimes that being able to see um, a situation or an event from a different angle really helps me become a better social worker, I believe. So I welcome that, meaning by welcome that I mean I really want this podcast to be as interactive as possible. 
and I know it's a podcast. So what I'm saying is I would like to receive emails. I would like to receive DMs on Instagram. You can leave me a review um, on whatever podcast um, platform you listen to this on. And I will definitely respond back. I may respond back to the email or I may just actually talk about it on the podcast itself because that is what I am just most looking forward to really is just having that interaction with other people who whether you're like-minded or opposite-minded than me I really enjoy that with that being said though this is a safe space so I don't want to get emails where you're calling me names or calling black people (laughs) you know making some strong generalizations about black people or stereotyping or racism I don't want any of that so white people you are welcome people of all races and ethnicities are welcome here but this will not be a space where you can say whatever is on your mind Um, this is a space where you can come and hear my perspective but I'm not here to teach you to be less racist I am not here to beg you to change your mind about how you feel about people of color or black people that's not what I'm here for um this space is definitely for by a black woman for black people and white people are more than welcome to listen in to join in on the conversation but you're not welcome to have negative viewpoints about black people. I'm not going to respond to emails asking me questions about why black people do certain things or why can't y'all just get over slavery or why can't you just move past um, anything? We're not going to do that. Nope. So something about me that I feel like I should tell you is that I am from the South. So if you hear that twang come out, that is the South in me. I live in the South. I've been here my whole life. And while I am a social worker, an aspiring social worker, and I can speak professionally, you're going to get some of that AAVE, that African-American vernacular English. You're going to hear me say things like gonna instead of going to. Um, I, I don't want to do that. Like I said, it's a safe space for me, too. And I want to be who I am and not feel like I have to put on a front or code switch, as we call it, because what's the point of me doing a podcast for myself and for others like me if I'm going to be fake? So I think that's all of the housekeeping that I have. And I probably won't go over that again in future podcasts unless I just receive a lot of crazy comments or emails or dms which i feel like i need to um need to respond and repeat myself but please take this podcast for just what it is it's the voice of one black woman i do hope that you're all able to take something from this podcast that causes you to reflect have conversations with your friends family co-workers or even, you know, make some changes in how you interact with the world and people in the world. But I will say that the goal of this podcast is really just to have that dialogue, to be able to be more of a um, 
audio journal of sorts for me at some point that I hope other people will enjoy as well. Um, what else? Nothing. Let's kind of jump right in. Um, I do have a section. I haven't fully fleshed out like the, um, the segments of the podcast, but I definitely want to do a section, a segment called This Week in Grad School, just because that is really what this podcast is about as far as the naming of it. That's where I got this from. I want to kind of be able to have a space to discuss what I go through as a grad student and how that makes me view the world differently sometimes. So this week in grad school, um, this is the first week back from winter break. We did not have any classes. Well, we had a class on Tuesday. I did not make it because my daughter was sick. She was running a fever and I was in the parking lot when my husband told me what how high her fever was that made me say no I'm coming back home turned out she um tested positive for COVID mind you it was a rapid test so you know those things can be iffy but she tested positive she's seven so you know I was a nervous wreck but she was fine completely fine even by the next day she was playing um having a good time so no worries but so my first week back my point is my first week back hasn't really been a first week back because then I have classes on Tuesdays and Saturdays my Saturday classes were canceled because we got some we were getting um winter weather advisory notices um so the teacher the professors canceled the classes and we had one class online virtually and the other class just she was like, nah, I'm not doing it either, which I don't mind. <laughs> but she was like, nope, y'all just have a break. So but in the one class that I did attend this week, it was actually pretty interesting. It's my advanced theory class. And I'm always curious about theory so I'm really looking forward to this class because I feel like in the past you know we're writing papers and it's like okay you know find a theory that goes with whatever you're arguing for or against right and as a second year social work student I feel like I haven't learned a lot of theories besides like the ecological um theory which I feel like it's more perspective than a theory and like what else I can't even think of them right now but I feel like it was nothing that directly lines up with things that interest me and I will tell you my interests lie in black people (laughs) I'm always interested in the mental health of black people how black people react to certain things um and that is social justice issues are near and dear to my heart and I really believe I want to go into macro social work. I have been doing a lot of direct service work for the last, it'll be seven years this year that I've worked for a nonprofit in direct service. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting my master's and I know that I probably will end up doing some more direct service afterwards. But my ultimate goal is to really get into some kind of policy, um, work definitely 
definitely. Um, because social justice is just my heart. So, but this week, back to this week in grad school. So we were in the class and we were talking about like what is social work and um what do social workers do and kind of just like everybody's throwing around these different like their ideas of what social work is and what they see social workers job is in helping others and this one guy he said it's important that we honor our client's self-determination determination and he didn't say it exactly like that I'm sure that is just kind of me paraphrasing because I don't remember everything he said I but self-determination was pretty much the the gist of what he was trying to say. And it really got me to thinking about how much of our lives are really determined by our own self-determination. And how realistic it is to believe that everyone in every situation should have the ability to determine their own actions, behaviors, journeys, all of that stuff. And mind you, I am a girl who definitely supports self-determination. I am a person who has a problem with authority sometimes. I can, I hate when people tell me what to do. I absolutely cannot stand it so this is not me saying that I don't believe in self-determination this is not even me saying that I don't think social workers should under self-determination because I do that every day my point is that there are some situations where I just wonder do we take that too far as social workers (laughs) um and as I know there's some like CPS workers out here who are like no Self-determination, while that sounds good and great, if you're beating your kids or neglecting your children or you smoking crack and doing heroin with your children in the house, you don't get that much of a choice about how to get your children back or how to make sure you reunite reunite with your kids or keep your kids in your home. You have to follow a predetermined plan of action by CPS, right? And I get it. And God bless the CPS workers. I don't think I could ever do what y'all do. So hats off to y'all. But my point is there are just some situations where some people need to be told what to do, right? (laughs) And while that sounds sad, if what you're doing negatively affects other people, then sometimes you have to be told what to do. And that goes for people who abuse their children, but it also goes for people who are like, look at the criminal justice system. That's the whole point of the criminal justice system, right? Or people who have mental health concerns and they're not taking their medication. Sometimes they have to be forced to take that medication. And they don't want to. I have dealt with that personally in my um, family where I have a family member who has a severe mental illness and she did not want to take her medicine. She did not want to. And I get that it makes you feel different. And I get that 
you think you're fine without it. But you have some people have to be forced. And I think that is my my pushback on the whole self-determination route. Now, if you're doing some social work like I do, like I currently manage a housing program, right? You can determine if you want to participate in this housing program. You can determine where you want to live. But for instance, I'll give you an example of why I say self-determination isn't always the best. So my job is a rapid rehousing program manager. I am, my job is to help people find housing who are either homeless or at risk of homelessness. And you get people in the program who don't have any income, right? And we cannot turn people away for having no income, which is great. I don't want to turn anyone away. But we'll get in there, we're talking to them and we're looking at, okay, you don't currently have any income, but we still need to find you a place. How much can you really afford? And I've had people tell me, oh, well, I can afford $1,100 a month. How do you know? You don't have a job at this point, right? Like, how do you know you can afford that? And it's awful that you can't afford it. And it's awful that I have to have these conversations with you. But I really grapple with, okay, I get it. We live in this expensive area. So $1,100 really isn't that much to pay for like a three or four bedroom, right? But if you don't have any income, you don't have any, let's say, education or training to get a job where you'll be making enough money to pay $1,100 a month, am I really going to go out here and get you an $1,100 home that now my program is paying for, but we're only supposed to pay for it for you for three to four months? So on month four... If you don't have a job where you can afford the $1,100 a month plus the rent, I mean, plus the utilities, plus groceries and gas for your car, if you have a car, you know, I'm setting you up for failure. And I, I honestly, morally, I feel like I cannot do that, right? I feel like morally in my heart of hearts, I know that if I put you into this $1,100 a month home, and now while you may have found a job making $12 an hour, you still cannot afford $1,100 per month in rent. That's going to take all of your check. <laughs> once you add in utilities, once you add in groceries, once you add in gas or some kind of transportation fees, you're not going to have it. And I am done with you in four months. That is just not right. So I have to make those decisions a lot about self-determination. Because I have clients who will say, yeah, I can afford that. Yeah, I can afford that. Even if they have a job when they come into my program and we do their budget and their budget says they can afford seven fifty dollars a month right based on what they what all they have going on right on their current bills on what they currently 
or know they're going to have to pay out. And then you see a home that's nine fifty, and while it's the perfect size for you, and it's nice, and it's a you know beautiful home, and you think it'll work well for your family. If I let you go into that home, and you know you are now expected to pay. more than what you can really afford based on your bills, what are you going to do? And that is, that is just something I grapple with. So the whole, the whole point of this story is that self-determination can come back to bite you in the butt because I've done that when I first got into my position, you know, just thinking about self-determination, I'm like, okay, you say you can afford this $1,300. I had a client. Seriously, I had a client who had four kids. She was on a fixed income, but the fixed income was decent. And she's like, okay, I'm going to get a part-time job to supplement. And she did do that. She got into a, um, a town home for $1,300 a month, got a part-time job. The part-time job still did not cover all of her expenses. And then... She ended up having to leave the job because her health declined rapidly. Um, and so we were paying her bills for her for a year. A year. Our program is four months. And we paid it for a year because I felt responsible for allowing her to get a $1,300 a month home that I knew in my heart of hearts she could not afford. I knew that no matter what she said or did, she could not afford it. But I was over here like, hmm, I have to let my client determine what's best for her and her family. And my job is to just help her. No. Sometimes our job is to stop people from making mistakes. Sometimes our job is to stop us from helping them make that mistake because I definitely had the thoughts. Like I said, I'm a very logical person. So I was like the whole time like, man, 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 man. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. (laughs) But I I did it. I let her do it. I paid $1,300 a month for her. Now, she did contribute quite a bit to her own rent. But the point was, she couldn't afford the whole rent on her own. If I had left her high and dry, pretty much, she would have been evicted. Her her family would have been homeless again. And that would have been on me, I feel like. So sometimes I feel like we hold on to this idea of self-determination. Like it's some great holy grail But it really isn't. And I just, I don't want that to be, I don't want that to be me or you. And I think that's a good conversation to have. And I would love to hear what you all have to say about that. I mean, truly, I really would love to hear it because I am grappling with that every time I get a client especially when they have no income or they have a fixed income. And it's like, 
I know you cannot afford this house, but I also know that my job is to get you into a house and there is no house that's actually in your budget that will fit your family. So that's one thing. But also in this conversation, and I want to take this to a social justice kind of viewpoint, I was reading an article about Whole Foods and how Whole Foods um, want to want to ban people from wearing their Black Lives Matter mask. And <laughs> my initial thoughts for racism, racist, white privilege, white supremacy, like all the trigger words, right? I was like, this is some bull. Whole Foods ain't getting my money. <laughs> but then I, I looked at the story and they did say that they've had an employee policy in place for a while that I don't know how long, but they've their their employee policy is that no one can wear non Whole Foods branded clothing items in while they're working. And I think that's a smart decision. And people are up in arms. And I mean, we got some, I actually brought this up in class. And it's funny because um, it's like you don't know the right answer. Because while yes, I believe people should be able to express themselves and, you know, say what they believe in. I'm also looking at it from a social worker I don't even want to say it's a social work perspective. I'm looking at it from my perspective. And maybe this is a social work perspective. Maybe it's not because I feel like a social worker would say something different, right? I feel like a good social worker would be like, let them wear the mask. But then I look at it and say, if you allow people in Whole Foods to wear Black Lives Matter masks, shirts, headbands, whatever, you have to think about their interactions with their customers we have to stop acting like we live in a world where people aren't gonna say what's on their mind we live in america people are so emboldened to speak their mind i can just see the racists coming in now well what you got that on for well all lives matter or just straight up cussing you out someone's going to say something to you And it's at that point that you have a decision to make because you chose self-determination, right? You chose to wear a Black Lives Matter mask to work. And now you have to figure out how to appropriately respond to the customer and keep your job. I don't see that. Like, I don't know. I just... I can't see it. If someone comes up to me and tells me I need to take my mask off, for one, I'm going to know you racist. And then I'm going to have a whole new feeling about you. And I don't know how well I can control my response, right? Now, if you out and about in the world, <laughs> you know, not at work, but you just out shopping or you out the mall, you're out with, you know, at the movies, whatever you do, and you have your Black Lives Matter mask on, great. Support you 110%. You go, boy. You go, girl. But when I think about people who are working, people typically work 
because they have mouths to feed, right? Whether that's their own mouth, whether they have children or a wife, a husband, something. They are working to pay some bills, whether they live at home with their mama and they just working to pay for their car. Or if they have their own place and they need to contribute to the household, right? You never know. And I'm like, is it worth your job? That's one perspective I have on it. But then I also think about if they allow you to wear Black Lives Matter mask. And I hate that I feel this way. I really do. And I really hate that I feel this way. But then they will have to also allow people to wear All Lives Matter mask. They will have to allow people to wear Trump 2024 mask. You know, like Confederate flag mask. Because... What you're saying, and while I, you know, Black Lives Matter, while it should not be a political statement, it is. It should be more of a humane, it should be more of a given, right? But at this point, it has been politicized out the wazoo. So you have to keep that in mind. So if Whole Foods allows you to wear political statements on your on yourself, right? Shirt, mask, whatever. They have to allow other people to do the same thing. And then everyone in your workplace can do what the freak they want to do. And that creates a whole nother issue, right? You got workplace hostility. You got people you thought was your friend wearing a Confederate flag mask <laughs> right there in your face. You got HR problems. You got people getting mad at each other, you know, and Whole Foods has to deal with that somehow. So that goes back to self-determination. Like, okay, in what situations can you self-determine? Can I self-determine at work? Maybe in some instances, like I might can determine what I want my shift to be if I work at Whole Foods. Like I'm not working second shift. I'm working first shift. But can I say I'm going to wear this Black Lives Matter mask? Bump how you feel about it. Bump how customers feel about it. Bump how my coworkers feel about it. I don't know. I don't think it's wise. I think we have to choose our battles. And it's something that even Steve Harvey mentioned. Um recently he he was saying about like talking about cancel culture right and how comedians if you want to be a stand-up comedian in this day and age you cannot get mad or you cannot not censor yourself right like you have to monitor what you say you have to monitor your jokes and that makes it difficult for people like him, people who are in TV, who have this other persona, also who get sponsorships, right? You have people who sponsor you. You have to keep those things in mind when you're out here on the stage. Because if you say something that offends people, which you most likely are because that's what stand-up comedy does. <laughs> it offends people all the time. You're going to get counseled, whether you get counseled by fans or just by your sponsors. 
you're going to lose some money. You're going to lose some publicity. You're going to you're going to have some negative publicity. How about that? And nobody wants that. And that's messing with their livelihoods. I think Steve Harvey Harvey said that the only comedian he knows who can say whatever he wants to say is Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle is not sponsor driven. He's subscription based. I think something like that. Don't don't quote me. Look it up. But I think that's another whole conversation about self-determination. Like, yeah, comedians and council culture. I am over council culture. While I, as a social worker, I should be all about council culture. I like to laugh. I enjoy jokes. And I get that they're just jokes. And I think that's what... Um bugs me about cancel culture especially with comedians is a joke is meant to be a joke why are we acting like (laughs) we've never laughed in our lives before but i digress the point i'm making is that even celebrities everyone has to answer to somebody no one is just free to do what they want to do whenever they want to do it it just is not the life we live. And I think as social workers, we have to be honest about that. I can't, we have people over us at work, right? Who I may think this is a great idea and I may want to go forward with it. But if my supervisor vetoes it, I'm stuck. I can't do that. And that is life. I can't go out here and, you know, shoot chickens, which I wouldn't do that. But, you know, I'm not out here just shooting chickens willy-nilly with a darn AR-15. Like, it's just some things you have to think about and realize that self-determination just isn't all this cracked up to be. And I don't want to go down that road because that was a really bad example about me shooting chickens. But I couldn't think of anything (laughs) off the top of the dome. And I do want to switch gears a little bit um, because I think I kind of beat the self-determination into the ground. But I do want to hear your thoughts about that as a social worker and how you um, kind of straddle that fence of allowing clients to be the fully self-determined while also doing your job the last thing I want to talk about today really was just something I saw and I would also it fascinated me about the lieutenant governor um a Jamaican lady but who's been here in the state since she was six years old her name is Winsome Sears. She became the first black woman to hold a statewide office when she was sworn in as lieutenant governor in Virginia. Congratulations to her. Great, wonderful, um, all the flowers, right? She's a Republican, <laughs> which should not, it does not take away the history that is made by any any event my issue though is that what she said is that 
black people need to move on from slavery and oh she might not have said black people in specific but she said we need to move on from slavery which i think is a sentiment that a lot of people have especially white people especially people who are not from america from the u.s um i think they have that sentiment like we need to move on from slavery and i can say that when i read the article i was like you know i've heard this before and i'm always kind of like i can see why someone would say that but what i can't see is how do you suggest we reckon with the racial injustices that are perpetuated every day all day in the usa and so i'm fine with moving on from slavery if you also find a way to make our society more equitable, more just. Um, but we have to also realize that, yeah, slavery was, you know, several hundred years ago. But the byproduct of slavery that we deal with every day in the form of police shootings, in the form of us getting higher sentences for a prison time or harsher um, punishments, right? Or even in the school systems where they're trying to stop people from learning the truth about Black history, that is a problem. So if she had said, let's move on from slavery, but find a way to also deal with the clear injustices that we face every day I could have supported her but she didn't offer any solutions she didn't offer any um any way to actually make amends for all the harm that black people have experienced and I don't have all the I don't have none of the answers to be honest I have no answers for how we do that I have some ideas but I don't have answers And I think that when you're in a position like she is as the lieutenant governor, as a black woman making history by becoming the first black woman as lieutenant governor in Virginia, you got to watch what you say. Right. I guess it kind of goes back to what Steve Harvey was saying about like, you can't just say whatever you want to say. Now, mind you, because she's a Republican, these are to like these kind of phrases are to be expected from her. I just think it's, it's ill, ill-advised, ill-timing, and I, it feels very um, opportunistic. Like, I'm just trying to get the votes from the white people. And if they give me these votes, I'm going to say little stupid stuff like this. But also, you're Jamaican, and Jamaica definitely had slavery. They definitely had some issues with slavery there. Um but it's like, don't come to the U.S. telling us to get over what happened to us here, right? <laughs> like, most people, when we're talking about racism and racial justice issues, we are not thinking only about slavery. We're thinking about things that are much more current. Um, but we also are able to link it back to slavery because we have never really moved on from slavery 
all we've all we've done is find new ways to enslave people one way or another uh, whether that's through the prison system whether that's through education whether that's through credit we are all enslaved to something and black people tend to get the shorter end of the stick in all these things and i think we are right right to expect a nation who we built let's be clear to expect the nation we built who say they want to um who say like when people say there's no racism like racism no longer exists as is evident i think that's what she said is like you know clearly we're moving past our racial past because i a black woman am elected as lieutenant governor in virginia like girl shut up it's 2022 like what are you talking about they they elected you because you're a black woman who said what they want to say and they feel like oh well if a black person say it then it must be right and that is why i said at the beginning of this podcast i am only one black woman with my voice because things like this happen and now people feel validated and feeling like we should move past slavery. They feel validated in saying that America is not racist. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And it's black people like her who have this self-hatred who allow white people to feel comfortable in saying the dumbest stuff about race. Um, so those are just my thoughts I really didn't have much to say about that. I actually saw that article today and I wanted to bring it up. Like I said, this is also just a big audio recording of my thoughts as well. So, but I do want to hear from you. Um, so please check me out on Instagram at aspiring black social worker. And then you can always email me at aspiring black social worker at Gmail. Leave me a comment or review. And thank you for your time. Talk to you next week.